Welcome to Daily Living with Father Chapin, where we consider God's Word and how we might be able to apply it into our daily living. Yes, my friend, that is what we do. Sometimes the Bible can be a bit confusing, so we bust it down. We're asking questions, questions like, what do these Gospels have to do with me? That's what I want to know. How can I take these Gospels and apply them into my daily living so that I can become a reflection of God's love to this world. I want to be light in this darkness. I want to be a tool in the hand of God making present His kingdom. Not someday, but today and every day. And that is what this show is all about. And I'm so glad you could join us today. Oh, we got a good one. But before we get into it, it is time for Viewer Mail. Our first letter coming from Paul. I love Paul. He's writing from Carmel. Indiana. He always sends me these little notes. Dear Father Chapin, a smile to start your day, a prayer to bless your way, a song to lighten your burden, and a hug to wish you a great day. Good morning, Paul. P.S. He is risen. Wow. That's great, Paul. And Paul always sends me like little clippings. This quote, coming from Theodore Roosevelt. Believe you can and you're halfway there. Or how about Warren Buffett who said, someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Thank you, Paul. Next up is Antoinette. She's writing from Glen Cove, New York. It's a short note, but it has got a lot of punch. You rock, Father Chapin. Thank you for bringing me back to the faith. Well, you know, Antoinette, there is nothing greater than that. I mean, the idea that I could even play even a small role in bringing you back to the love of your father. Wow, that's, that's what this is all about. Thank you, Antoinette, from Glen Cove, New York. Finally, the Jangulas from North Dakota. They live on a farm. And they sent me some honey, butter, and then this really cool crafty thing. It's like a nail with the name of Jesus on it. I love it. Thank you so much. The Jangulas from North Dakota. What do you say we focus, put ourselves in the presence of God? You know, we spend so much time running here, running there, doing this, doing that. How often do we just stop and say, what am I doing? Where am I going? Good news about the good news is God wants to lead you, and he does it in many ways. One very powerful way is his word. What do you say we get to it? We're hearing from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. At that time, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net over the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he tucked his garment in, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from the shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with fish. When they climbed down on the shore, they saw a charcoal fire with some fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in a like manner the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him and said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. Wow. And what a gospel it is. This is a deep pool calling the kids. It's going to be good. This is Daily Living on Father Chap, and you hang out. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about this gospel and a few other things here as we consider God's Word and how we might be able to apply it into our daily living. Hi, this is Father Chapin, host of Daily Living with Father Chapin. It is such a pleasure to be able to come into your home each and every week and share the good news, but it's a bit expensive. So I would ask you to consider grabbing a piece of paper and a pencil, and at the next break, I'm going to share with you some details how you can become a partner with Daily Living, and together, we can take the good news to a lost world. What do you say we get back to the show? Welcome back to Daily Living. Today, we have breakfast on the beach, and I love this gospel. It's a deep pool, a whole lot to learn, so where to even start? Well, how about if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us? How about we start here? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, and we are liars. In other words, hate to break it to you, but we are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. And what does that mean? Well, what it means is that we are all called to follow God's will in our lives. And we fail every day. And that's what we're going to talk about today, failure. More specifically, how God uses our failure to draw us closer to Him. Because if there is one universal truth about Christianity, it's the fact that try as we may, 
we all at times fail. All of us. I mean, we try, but we fail. I mean, think about it. If the goal is perfection, how could we not? So, we all have failure as part of our makeup. It's, it, it's part of our DNA. It, it, it is precisely this propensity that is within all of us that serves as Satan's playground. Because the enemy of our soul will use our failure to try to drive a wedge between us and God. Meanwhile, Jesus at the same time will use the same failure to try to reconcile us to himself. So with all that said, let's talk about our gospel, which is all about Peter's failure. Of course, we all know that Peter denied our Lord three times, and it's real easy for us to look back 2,000 years later and say, oh, Peter, how could you? But the truth of the matter is, we deny our Lord in countless ways every day. Every time we say, not thy will, Lord, but my will be done. So let's talk about this. Not too long before our gospel today, Jesus was having a conversation with Peter. And Peter said to Jesus, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And Jesus looked at him and said, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. To which Peter responded, you're wrong, Jesus, you can count on me. Yeah. Soon Jesus will be arrested, and we will find Peter standing outside warming himself by a fire. Hey, weren't you with that guy, Jesus? Me? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. So another asked, hey, weren't you with that, that guy, Jesus? You talking to me? You must be mistaken. I, I, I never heard of him. By the time the third guy asks, he's cussing like a sailor trying to prove he's not the disciple of Jesus. You got the wrong guy. For three years, Peter has been his right-hand man. All that he saw, all that he heard, don't know. Never heard of him. Peter goes from champ to chump in the blink of an eye. Right back to the beginning. It had been three years since he first met Jesus. You might remember, one day Jesus was having church on the beach, and he asked Peter to use his boat. Of course, he was Simon at the time. So after Jesus had finished preaching from his boat, he asked Simon Peter to put it out into deeper waters and drop his net. And he caught so many fish that the nets were breaking. And how did Simon Peter react? He said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Because this is how one would react in the face of divinity. Now, fast forward three years later, we find Simon Peter literally in the same boat. I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, Zebedee and two of the uh, Zebedee's sons and two of his other disciples. Simon Peter said, "I'm going fishing." <laughs> just, that's incredible. I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus has just appeared in the upper room. Remember, we talked all about this last week. Walked through walls. 
And you know, come to think about it, you know who was not mentioned in our gospel last week? I mean, not a word. Peter. I mean, I'm sure he was there, but where was he? And I'm guessing he was probably cowering in the back of the crowd because I know I would have been full of shame because that's what sin brings, shame. In his mind, he was a failure. In his mind, he didn't make the cut. So what does he do? He goes fishing. And let me tell you, when Peter goes fishing, he's not just dropping a line in the water for a little R&R. No, no, no. Peter going fishing is highly symbolic because what it's saying is, hey, you know that whole discipleship thing? That didn't really work out. So I'm going to go back to my old self, go back to a life that I know right back to the beginning. So they go. What do they catch? Nothing. Remember, in the ancient world, they would fish at night. So as they're coming in at dawn, they see a figure on the beach. They don't recognize him. It's Jesus. And he yells out, children, have you caught anything to eat? And they say, nothing. So Jesus says, cast your net over the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it, and they're not able to pull up the fish because there were so many. Later on, we find out the net is full of 153 large fish. And of course, through the centuries, Scripture scholars have made a whole lot of hay over the significance of that number, 153. Some will say that 153 represents the known countries in the world at the time. Others will say it represents the 153,000 constructors of the first temple. Augusta, or Augustine, of Hippo, he lived in the 400s, he wrote that 153 is the sum of the first 17 integers, and that 17 is the sum of the seven divine gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Ten Commandments. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes 153 is just 153. Either way, 153, that's a whole lot of fish, don't you think? So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And I love this detail. Because you notice, Peter does not recognize the Lord. Has to have the beloved disciple who we can assume is John, who, by the way, wrote this gospel, so kind of make himself look good. You have to have John point him out, because, you know, sometimes when you fail, sometimes when you're so tied up in your own shame, you need others to point the Lord out to you, which is what the beloved disciple is doing. And what does Peter do once he knows it's Jesus? Well, it's Peter. <laughs> he puts on the big show. He tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and he jumped into the sea. Like I said, it's Peter, got to be dramatic. He jumps, he dives into the sea, he plunges into the sea. The Greek word here for plunge is the same word that is used for chaos. Don't even take off his garment, just jumps into the sea. Now some commentators will write that Peter does not remove his garment because the garment represents his coat of shame. I kind of like that, because he's taken all that guilt, all that, all that chaos, and he is bringing it to Jesus. Now he's face to face 
with Jesus. Not as he would like to be. No, no, no. Not as he think he should be. No, no, no. As he is, which is exactly where Jesus will meet you. And now, Peter is standing next to another fire. This is Daily Living on Father Chapin. You stick around. We'll be right back. And we will continue to talk about this amazing gospel as we consider God's word and how we might be able to apply it into our daily living. Hi, this is Father Chapin, host of Daily Living. If you feel like you're being fed by this ministry, I would ask you to prayerfully consider a partnership with Daily Living and what we're trying to do here. A monthly gift of any amount that you feel comfortable with and I will send you a monthly newsletter and if you provide an email address, a script of the show prior to its broadcast. Just write a check to Daily Living, P.O. Box 339, Nitro, West Virginia, 25143. You can also go on the website at mydailyliving.com and give through PayPal and together we can shine the light of the good news in a whole lot of dark places. What do you say we get back to the show? Welcome back to Daily Living. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, first of all, did you notice that Jesus calls him Simon? I mean, I thought he was Peter or Petra. I thought he was the rock upon which Jesus was going to build his church. Now all of a sudden he's demoted to Simon, which translates as sand. Why? Because Jesus is meeting Peter in the middle of his failure, in the middle of where he is at, which by the way is exactly where he will meet you. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You know, I've always wondered what is he talking about? More than these? What, what, what does that really mean, more than these? Is he talking about the other disciples? Is he asking, do you love me more than the other disciples? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, think about the context. What's lying around? Fish, right? A lot of fish. And what do those fish represent to Simon Peter? His labor. So given that, do you love me more than these could mean, do you love me more than these fish? Because the fish represent mammon. The fish represent self-sufficiency. The fish represent that carrot that we all spent so much time chasing. The fish represent the altar of materialism that so many of us find ourselves worshiping. The fish represent ego, which stands for easing God out. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than you love yourself and all that you are doing? Maybe we should all ask ourselves that question. I mean, we all got to make a living, I understand. But are we so caught up in the fish that Jesus becomes like a side issue? something relegated to an hour on Sunday morning, if that. Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, we've talked about this time or two in the past, but the Greek language is much more precise than the English language. 
And here's a great example, because in English, we got one word for love. Greek has four words for love. Storge, which is the love of family, like the love of a mother for a child, or child to her father, or his father. Filio is the love of mankind, or brotherly love, which is where we get the word Philadelphia. Eros, which is where we get the word erotic, is that fuzzy-wuzzy kind of Hollywood love, I love you, okay? And finally, agape, or agape, depending on how you want to pronounce that, Agape is divine love, which is total self-donation, most fully expressed on the cross with Jesus. Agape is how the Bible describes the love of a man for his wife, how he should love his wife, because it's not a feeling. It's commitment. It's not about how you feel. It's about what are you willing to do. It's about how you act. So when Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's using the word agape. But when Simon Peter responds, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He is using the word filio. Now, notice, Jesus doesn't say, well, my friend, that's, that's not good enough. No, he doesn't say that. Why? Because like I said, he is meeting Peter where he's at. And he gives them something to do, feed my lambs. But then he asks for a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, he uses that word agape. And again, Simon Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I filio, filio you. Jesus responds, ten my sheep. But then he asks for a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now this time, Jesus changes that word to filio, from agape to filio. Why? Because like I've said time and time again, Jesus is going to meet you where you're at, not where you would like to be, not where you think you should be, but where you're at. Peter, of course, becomes very distressed because he had asked him a third time, do you love me? I bet he was. But there's a reason that he's asking this question three times. Because you can see he is unwinding those three denials. And Peter, boy, he is so in touch with his shame right now. He, he's like the prodigal son collapsing in the arms of his loving father. He's feeling like a total failure. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And as Peter was standing by this fire on this beach, his mind is going back to another fire. And all that shame, all that guilt, all that failure is pouring in. Now Jesus does not excuse that sin, but he uses his sin as he will use yours. Jesus uses Peter's failure to reconcile him to himself. And he does this by giving Peter something to do. He says, yeah, I get it. You filio me, but let me show you how you're going to agape me. Do you love me more than these? My friends, we need to ask ourselves that same question. Do we love him more than these? Hear me when I say, failure, it's going to come, okay? You are a weak 
sinner. You are fraught with failure. I know because you're a people and so am I. But we got to keep from being frustrated by short-term failure by keeping the long-term goal in mind. And the long-term goal is, do you love me more than these? Yes, I do. Again, you're a sinner, you'll fail. Time and time again, you're going to fail. But when you fall, dust yourself off and get back up. Try it again. The biggest difference between a saint and a sinner is that a saint keeps on trying. Amen, amen, I say to you. When you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. So I have a question. Why would Jesus say such a thing to Peter? Well, I'm thinking by saying this, Jesus is saying to Peter, I know you said you would die for me. And I know that you had a weak moment and you denied me. But you are still who you think you are. You are still rock. And you will always be rock. And your failure has not destroyed that. You failed. Oh yeah, for sure. Big time. But you are not a failure. So, my friends, what have we learned today? How can we take this gospel and apply it into our daily living? Well, I guess we can start by recognizing that Peter's failure is an event, not a person. In the same way, you might fail, but you are not a failure. And never allow the evil one to convince you otherwise. You are created in the image of God. You are his masterpiece. You are loved. And Jesus will use all your failure to reconcile you to him and bring you home. Because, my friends, that is what the cross is all about. Do you love me more than these? You know, every day in this country, somebody does something nice for somebody else. Today, why don't you let that somebody be you? Because the best vitamin for a Christian is B1. This is Daily Living. I'm Father Chapin. Hope you can come back next week and we'll do it again. Until then, I hope you let God live in your life. And I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.